Christchurch, New Alden, 6th of September 2020. Stephen Kurt speaking on A Fresh Take on the Gospels. Well, it's common for people to use their summer holiday to read a book. And for some who want to read on holiday, it's a case of finding something new, while other people like returning to a book with which they're familiar. And it's sometimes in revisiting a book that we know, or think we know, that we come to realise that there's much greater depth to it than we previously imagined. What I want to suggest this Sunday is that there's a value in doing this with the Gospels contained within the Bible, perhaps in what remains of this summer. Gospel means good news, and the Gospels is the name given to the four accounts in the New Testament of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Now, all of us will have heard sections of the Gospels read out in church, and perhaps we've read parts of them in other settings as well, in home groups, or when we've been reading the Bible for ourselves. But even though they're not that long, it's quite rare to find Christians who've read one of the Gospels, let alone all four, from start to finish. For whatever reason, we don't tend to approach them that way. But if we do, if we decide to take one of the Gospels this September and read it, How should we do this? And how can we perhaps gain a fresh take on the story that the Gospels are setting out to tell? There's a well-known expression about how easy it is to miss the wood for the trees. When people say this, they're referring to someone getting so lost in the detail of something that they miss its overall picture. And given all the smaller stories that they contain, stories about Jesus and stories told by Jesus, When it comes to the Gospels, this is very easily done. But we're helped by the fact that the four Gospels, while containing a lot that's different from one another, possess a similar structure. All of them reach their climax in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and they all end with accounts of his resurrection. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are obviously very important to Christians, which is why they have so much prominence in that creed that we read earlier. What about all the other stuff contained in the Gospels? The stuff that comes before his death and resurrection. Those stories of the miracles that Jesus performed, the healings, the exorcisms when he cast evil spirits out of people, the stories of Jesus with his disciples, the controversies that he had with people like the Pharisees, his feasting with sinners, and all of those parables and other teachings that Jesus gave about the kingdom of God. Why is all that stuff in the Gospels, and what place does it have in their overall story? Now, Christians have often not been very sure about the answer to this question, and it shows in that creed that I referred to a moment ago. The Apostles' Creed is a summary from the 3rd or 4th century of the key parts of Christian belief, and in the section on Jesus, it refers to him as God's Son and our Lord, and being conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, before then jumping straight to his suffering under Pontius Pilate, his death and resurrection. Now that creed was dealing with specific issues that were being debated at the time it was written, rather than trying to be exhaustive. But it also explains why there are quite a number of Christians who greatly value the death and resurrection of Jesus, but remain rather unsure of the role that all of the earlier stuff in the Gospels has in the story. So if we set out to read one of the Gospels, 
How can we integrate all of its contents into one single satisfying story that will give us a fresh take on the message about Jesus Christ that they're seeking to convey? Well, a helpful illustration that has been used in recent times is that of the Gospels being a little bit like a quadraphonic music system containing four speakers. Each of these speakers plays a different role in the overall music that the Gospels are producing, and each of them needs to be turned to the right volume and held in balance with one another if that music is to be heard properly. And the first of these speakers, which is often turned down so quietly that it's hardly heard, is the story of Israel. The Gospels don't tell the story of Jesus as a standalone. They instead tell the story of Jesus as the climax of the unfinished story of the Old Testament. The story of God calling the people of Israel to be his answer to the problem of a fallen creation and this plan appearing to go awry when Israel turned out to be as sinful as the rest of the world. All four Gospels tell the story of how Jesus came as Israel's Messiah or King to fulfil that calling that Israel, as God's people, had been given. And we need that speaker turned up to the proper volume if we're going to grasp their story. The second speaker that we need to hear when reading the Gospels is the one telling the story of God's action in the world. This speaker, unlike the first one, has sometimes been turned up so loudly that it's all that people have been able to hear when reading the Gospels. And if it's heard without the first speaker, people can often get the wrong idea of what God is like and what his purpose is in rescuing people through Jesus. But this speaker is still crucial. All four of the Gospels, in their different ways, tell the same story of the God of Israel acting in Jesus to fulfil, surprisingly, and in a way that no one had ever expected, what he had always promised he would do. A third speaker, which again has sometimes been turned up so loudly that it's all people have heard when reading the Gospels, is the story of the launching of God's renewed people. For quite some time, for instance, it became common for biblical scholars to read the Gospels as almost exclusively about the faith of the early church, simply read back into the stories of Jesus. The story of Jesus calming the storm, for instance, was read as an allegory, invented to speak into the struggles that the early church was facing. Now, more traditional Christians are then sometimes in disgust switch off this speaker completely. But kept at the right volume and in balance with the others, it's important to hear within the Gospels the story of God's people, soon to include the Gentiles as well as the Jews, being renewed by Jesus and sent out into the world in his name. The fourth and final speaker has often not so much been turned down or switched off as left forgotten up in an attic, because this one is the story of the clash of the kingdoms, specifically the clash between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Caesar. Throughout the Old Testament, we constantly see God showing his power over pagan rulers and empires, and this is a theme that, if we can see it, continues within the Gospels. It's present in the birth stories, in the figures of Herod and Augustus. It's present in the statements that Jesus makes about how those within his kingdom will act differently to the rulers of the world. And it's present supremely when Jesus is crucified. And the greatest symbol of Roman power and domination 
became instead the greatest sign of God's love. So they're the four speakers that we need to have switched on if we're going to hear the story that the Gospels are presenting. So what is that story? And in particular, how does it explain how all the different bits within the Gospels fit together? Particularly all of that early stuff, like the miracles and parables of Jesus, with his death and resurrection at their climax. Well, in a nutshell, the story that all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are setting out to tell in their different ways, is the story of how God became king. So the story begins in all four Gospels with Jesus coming as the climax of a much larger story. Matthew and Luke include those famous stories about the birth of Jesus, while Mark and John don't. But the start of all four Gospels makes it clear that Jesus and the good news about him came as the fulfilment of that long, winding story contained in the Old Testament. That's why we need to understand that story to understand the Gospels. At the close of the Old Testament, God's people were still essentially in exile and awaiting the arrival of God's promised rule. But Jesus' ministry in all four Gospels is preceded by that of John the Baptist, announcing that with the coming of Jesus, God's rule or kingdom was at last arriving upon the earth. And that's what we then see happening in all of those stories in the Gospels. Jesus, through his actions and words, proclaiming and embodying the returning rule of God. That's what the miracles and the healings and the exorcisms of Jesus and his forgiveness of sinners were all about. God at last becoming king. But this rule of God was also happening in a manner very different to that which people imagined, not least those Jews who had awaited this moment for centuries. Which is why Jesus taught in parables, stories designed to completely change those people's perception of what the rule of God looked like. Because at the heart of Jesus' message, in the parables as well as teaching like the Sermon on the Mount, was that God's rule, unlike that of the pagan empires like Rome, was not coming in power and might, but in loving service to others. Jesus taught and demonstrated that God's kingdom or rule was coming through those willing to give up their lives for others, and it was the power of love that was going to overcome evil rather than any attempt to return it. And that's why Jesus gathered disciples around him to learn and then embody what it meant to be part of God's kingdom as the renewed people of God and to unlearn and to unembody all of those ways in which the world had taught them to approach living within it. And where all of this proclamation of the rule of God led Jesus to was the cross. That's the way that all of this material in the four Gospels is connected, in Jesus eventually embodying to the greatest degree possible this sacrificial love of God by being crucified. Evil in the form of the pagan arrogance of the Roman Empire did its absolute worst and Jesus met this horrific evil with sacrificial suffering love. The crucifixion of Jesus is central to the Gospels because it was the ultimate clash of the kingdoms of light and darkness. And the accounts of the empty tomb that end the four Gospels show who won, with the resurrection of Jesus demonstrating this victory of the rule of God that the risen Jesus then showed his followers they could become part of.
So that, in a nutshell, is the story that the four Gospels are seeking to tell. They all have different slants and insights within them, which I haven't really had time to go into today, because I've sought to give the bigger picture. But I hope you've been able to see how all four of those speakers need to be switched on and properly balanced if we're going to be able to hear the message that the writers of the Gospels intend us to. And the result they wanted from that message is for us, as readers of the Gospels, to recognise how our lives need to be placed within the story they tell. That Jesus is summoning us, just as much as those original disciples, to become followers of him and part of embodying God's rule upon this earth. Part of God's renewed people implementing that victory that he won over evil on the cross by living lives of love as the path to our own risen life. When we read the four Gospels, we need to have those four speakers switched on to hear their message, but we also need to have our hearts switched on as well to the message that God wants to speak to us, summoning us to live within and embody towards others his kingly rule of love. So that is the suggestion of a further book to read this summer, one of the four Gospels. Now, which one should you choose? Well, if you like a fast-paced, mysterious, dark thriller with plenty of mystery, then it's Mark's Gospel you should go for. But if you, on the other hand, like something very thorough and comprehensive, with plenty of detail, in this case about Jesus as the fulfilment of the Old Testament story, then Matthew's Gospel is for you. If you want lots of vivid human interest, including lots of female perspective upon Jesus and being a follower of him, then Luke's Gospel is for you. If you prefer less stories, with more time to really ponder and reflect upon their meaning and significance, then it's John's Gospel that's for you. But whichever Gospel you choose, and I do hope that it will be one of them, let's not lose the wood for the trees. Let's remember to have those four speakers switched on, and our hearts as well, as we hear the story of how God became king, and the invitation that's given to every single one of us to be part of that story. <laughs>